Yeah, that felt like a DJ spinning on the wheels with that drum pad. Let me just take it up a bit for you. I know a lot of you are like, what? Yeah, I did the same too when I learned that this is how it is going to play out on this first day of September 2021 on Trending Issues. And of course, this is Essigon. Your radio bam playing this role today. Well, uh, is a biting one because I was actually ready to come gun blazings on the other side, but here I am today. Conditions have made my crawfish to bend. Well, it's still going to be exciting, it's still going to be blasting because uh, Skywalker is here, the new king of sarcasm in the house. You'll be amazed that the presidency is changing stuff, but let's. Have Skywalker say greetings to the people of Ondo State. Well, happy new month. Uh, well, I, I wish uh, Essigon was not on that other site this morning. <laughs> but, <laughs> <me but>. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a good morning. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Yes, it is the first day of September and it is my birth month, interestingly. Yeah, so some people are going to be having their birthdays today, so start getting the gifts ready. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, ah, Ember months are here. See, don't get scared. It is what you make it that it becomes for you. Let's start on this note because uh, some of you may have listened to some of the PSAs that we played and a particular one talked about the issue of the COVID-19 vaccination being domiciled here at Futa, where those that are of the Futa community can go ahead and have their shots. And for those who have taken the first shot, they can have the second shot as long as they have their cards to indicate that they have taken the first shot. But not just that. We're talking about two vaccines here. So if you've taken one, uh, please don't come for the order. But Skywalker is here. Well, I think this is just uh, uh, one of those efforts the university is trying to put in place in order to you know prevent any kind of outbreak uh, within the university community like we saw in uh, unilag where there was an outbreak and uh, people had to uh, i mean activities in the university had to be shut down in order to prevent further spread of the covid-19 uh, virus but uh, this time around, uh, in addition to other non-clinical uh, uh, steps, when I, when I mean non-clinical, I mean the washing of hands and the, the social, social distancing, distancing and all that. Uh, so this is just in addition to all that. And then of course, the wearing of the face masks. So this is just an addition to all those protocols. Uh, and, and our bid here is to encourage people to go out there and especially those from within the university community because this arrangement is between the university and uh, you know the national primary healthcare development agency here uh, in order to get these vaccines for members of the university community i'm sure the exercise would have kick-started already and uh, our call is that look there's nothing wrong in taking these you know vaccines they are safe others have taken it there's nothing you know that has happened to them on towards because again uh, there are cases where people would have symptoms here and there just maybe for the first or you know one or two days and by the third day you are back up again much more uh, better equipped to fight the virus so 
I think it's important that people throw away all the conspiracy theories that come with this uh, vaccination, especially that of the COVID-19, and then ignore all those because uh, for any vaccine to have been put out there for people to take, it had gone through the necessary you know, processes. Of course. And it had already been uh, given the, you know... The uh, nod of the, approval. Yes, approvals from different health institutions. And, of course, the WHO has said people can go ahead to take the vaccines. And then we have seen it also being given to other people around the world. So it's important that people put away this misinformation and, of course, get their, uh, you know, get to that uh, center. I think here in the university is at the Theodore EDBA yeah. uh, auditorium where the exercise is ongoing at the moment. So I think that's, that's the best uh, the university can do. Uh, at the moment to okay. appeal to people. Yes, yeah, so so we 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 are appealing to people who are listening right now, um, especially those in the Futa community. You can go ahead to TI Francis and you will get your shots. Uh, please don't forget that if it is the she- second shot you are looking at, uh, come with the card of the first shot and don't allow mixing of vaccines. But still talking about this uh, COVID-19 situation and this vaccine thing. Yesterday we did discuss about uh, the Undo State statement on this enforcement and sanction. And just as we were thinking that, okay, uh, everything we said yesterday will have gotten high up and people will have gotten some measure of understanding and responded with more wisdom. Uh, the FG also is muting the idea of sanctioning, you know, uh, sounding as if they have the capacity to vaccinate everyone in Nigeria at once. So w- what is happening here? Well, I, I think this is why you see... You know, policy somersault most times in Nigeria because we never prepare for, you know, uh, anything seriously. Because if you have a situation where you don't even have vaccines to give to everybody and you're already putting out, you know, some kind of threat, uh, then if everybody now decides to, all right, your threat has worked on me, oh, yeah. I now want to get it. And then I get there and then you don't have it. Then who are you going to arrest or who are you going to sanction? And if you want to sanction, uh, what are you? Are you going to give me prison? Am I going to serve prison terms or what are you going to do? Are you going to find me some amount of money for salaries that you have not paid or for even civil servants that you, you have, you know, some kind of control over? Like in Ondo State, for instance, if you say you want to sanction people, Let's even say you can't sanction everybody in the state. Let's say it's just, you know, your civil servants that you want to sanction. What, what are you going to give them three months prison sentence? Or, well, I, I, so sometimes, again, you, you want to wonder, uh, you know, this, this kind of comments or this kind of statements, people just take them like a joke because they know that there is nothing actually substantial in them. You know, they are just too light uh you know they are not heavy they are not they don't come with anything because people just look at okay because again if you want to sanction people what do you want to do you want to stop their salary payment salaries that you are not even paying in full or 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 what do you want to do really that's that's what i okay or you want to deny them access to their workplaces or or what do you want to do so again in in other climes where we are seeing this thing working, where people are you know going out to get vaccinated, what happens is you get your level of advocacy to 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 a height whereby people can you know trust what you're saying and then take your word mm. 
you know, for 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 whatever it is you are telling them, and then they go out there and and get themselves vaccinated. In fact, in some climes, what they even do is they put in money, they put in some kind of incentives. Initially, in the U.S., when they started, they said $20. After a while, they said, no, $20 will not cut it. They made it $40. And then we are hearing that some states now are thinking of going 100 Yeah. You know, $100 just for you to go out there and get vaccinated. So, well, here But here you want to lock up people or you want to sanction people or you are, you are throwing out threats that you cannot... Uh, you know, threats that you cannot uh, enforce. Mm. So, uh, okay, look at the case that played out in Edo State yesterday when they, you know, they had to go to, to, court. to court and then the, 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 the court has said, okay, everybody, you know, maintains status quo until we look at these issues, uh, you know, on, on the basis of uh, merit. But again, even at that, there is no court that would force anybody to take any vaccine. There is no court that would do that. All right. Because, again, that infringes on the fundamental right of that person, which is constitutionally, you know, provided for. So if there's anything I think government should do, and, and, I, and I, I have said, and like, of course, you have also submitted yesterday, that the best thing to do at the moment is for government to remove its hands, especially from this particular part of the, of the business. You have handled the COVID-19 palliative part. You have handled the part that had to do with, you know, providing lockdown and all that. You are also doing as much as you can to to, to see that people adhere to using of uh, face masks and all that. But this vaccination of a thing is a different thing because people are taking in something into their body. Mm. And they have a right to decide what to take into their body. So what you can then do for me, because the government has lost trust with the people completely and that's why you're seeing so much resistance you know from the populace all right so remove your hand completely from this vaccination aspect of it get cso's get ngos involved because they would better you know liaise you know with the people they would better connect with the people than you who has always and over time shown that you cannot carry everybody along all right. You saw the mess they created with the palliatives and how everything just went uh, and how the lockdown in itself was not effective in stopping the spread of the virus. So why not then say, okay, we are seeing that people, yes, even the little that we have provided, the small quantity that we have provided, people are not even coming out to take it. I mean, you don't have to cover for everybody. It's because they are seeing that even the little, the, 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 the one that they have been able to get, people are not coming for it. It's not like they also have to give everybody, but they are they, they, this, the little amount that they have collected. Nobody is coming, or should I say, let me not be, be, be you yeah, know, because be, that, that, let that, me not generalize yeah. hastily because I know a couple of people who have gone to take it. But I'm saying that it, the you know, numbers the numbers are just disappointing. That's why they are coming out in full force, and it's not like you can keep them forever. There's a level that you get to that you have to dispense of, you know, these vaccines so all that right. you can collect the second dose. So these threats and all this, uh, I feel for me, it's not the best way to go. It's not going to yield that kind of result that they are looking for. Well, I was wondering myself because I needed to find out the reason behind that kind of a move from the federal government and, of course, the state governments to actually enforce this in a draconian way. Uh, right now, I'm getting feelers that the Nigerian Medical Association, as well as the Joint Health sector union have faulted that particular move of sanctioning people that fail to take the vaccine and then the big question is do we really have enough 
to cater for everyone? Do we have the facilities? Do we have all we need to? But if we get the rush, are we ready to take that rush? Sake is in the building, and this is coming to you. Well, I don't think we have what it takes to vaccinate everybody because I think I heard on those states have just 400,000 or so available currently. And we take the population of Ondo State should be between 3 million or so above. Uh, I know some have taken before now, but like we rightly said yesterday, I think the best ways to enlighten people, encourage them to do the needful. I don't think we need all those, although we are no longer in the Stone Age. We are no longer in the Stone Age. People have, have the right to say no or yes. Is, is their own life after all. And you know, more so that people felt all the white government have not been doing next to nothing for them. People have had to fend their ways. People graduate from school. There's no, no work. They have to look for job for themselves. They have to provide electricity themselves, water themselves, and almost everything themselves. So when you now want to, you know, become an overly protective father all of a sudden, and you are now trying to force, no, no, people are not going to take that, that's it. But I think, rather than this method, government should have just said, fine, so, 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 number of uh, vaccines available at so, 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 so point, please take it, the next batch will be coming, you know, give us yeah, but what about the... Because the, the thing is, I, I love something that Skywalker said about getting their hands off it and handing over to civil society organizations who have been at the forefront of health intervention on serious issues. Uh, rollback malaria, HIV reservation, uh, hepatitis B, uh, cancer awareness and all of that. Because if these people are involved, then we are most likely to get more results. And you know, we, we said something, I think Skywalker said something very very real yesterday that bringing it NGOs, bringing in private organizations will lead to some questions being asked. Questions government will like to avoid because there are many issues that have not... Because, because you see, you can't send non-governmental organizations on errand without one adequate information, without, for example, the source of this vaccine, for example, some there are some questions that be, because they too need some information to take them to the people to convince them. Because whether we like it or not, those conspiracy theories are real, they are genuine, and they are coming from sources that we may not we may take them with a pinch of salt, but they are coming from sources that are well known either in America or this conspiracy and that's how it is for every every medical you know breakthrough or whatever there will always be dispute and those dispute most time does not ignore the fact that is working but it also helps the scientists to work more and then to find a way of convincing the people more so the, I don't think this particular issue government will likely involve perhaps in the nearest future mm. but I know not now because Questions that the government will not like to answer will be asked. All right. Now, the thing is, um, I'd love to jump to this one, but because it has a federal input, so let me first of all stay in Ondo State here and sort out the issue in Ondo State. And that's the fact that yesterday we got information that the governor of the state went ahead to sign the anti-grazing bill into law. So, effective from yesterday, it has become illegal and a criminal offense to carry your cattle and actually go on the streets grazing them. Uh, Skywalker. 
Well, good development. We must give kudos to the governor for, uh, you know, especially making this issue a very prominent issue uh, in the southwestern region of the country. Because at some point, other governors were not willing to come out mm. boldly mm. and stand against this open grazing. And, uh, of course, due to some uh, political exigencies, because, again, you want to make sure that you align yourself properly uh, if you don't want to lose out in 2023. So, but he, you know, regardless of that, uh, spearheaded the move to, you know, uh, have some kind of consensus, some kind of resolution within the southwestern region uh, to stop this open grazing of a thing. Because it's not going to also make sense to have it domiciled in Ondo State and then we allow them freely to operate in Ikiti State or even in Oshun State. So I, I was actually very uh, happy that even the southeastern governors also decided to take up that responsibility and they have also decided that they would together look at how to put up this uh, anti-open uh, grazing bill you know, domicile it in their states so that uh, we can at least, to some extent, curb this farmers' headers uh, clashes that we have seen happen around the country. So, uh, again, even a boy state also is looking at something of that nature. Enugu State is also cooking up something to that effect. In fact, they have already started having open hearings as to, uh, you know, putting this bill you know, into into uh, perfection and then, of course, sending it to their governor to sign. And I'm not surprised that, you know, especially states like Enugu and their boy, in fact, Cross River State at some point had also had a very, very, uh, you know, very, very catastrophic attacks by mm. these killer headsmen. Mm. And if you look at it, uh, Enugu, Eboy, Cross River, they all border Benue State where... It seems to be like the epicenter. Okay, well, of course, Plateau State is also one of those states. So those states are like the epicenter of these farmers' uh, headers' clashes. So those states bordering Benway State have also had a very you know nasty experience when it comes to these uh, killer headsmen. So it's important that we put in some of these policies. And I'm also very happy that Ondo State is also saying any activity, you know, happening in the forest for now, everything totally shut down until we are able to sit back and appraise, uh, you know, uh, the way forward as to what we want in the forest and what we don't or who we We want want. in the forest and who we don't want in the forest. So I think this for me is a very good development. And I hope that we would not just... uh, Put it in the books, but we would ensure mm. now that's that <laughs> we follow through. That's exactly where I'm coming in uh, terms of implementation. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to Sake with that the issue of enforcement because, of course, before it was signed into law, uh, there had been talks and all the rest of them. And I personally had witnessed you know, some people carry their car and do open grazing you know, along the industrial layout. And uh, I was looking, um, I didn't even know. If there was anything I could do about it, maybe there was someone I, I needed to call that, oh, I'm seeing some cows here and all that. And we're not even having that in, that kind of information about enforcement. Usually it would be that if you have criminal activities happening around your area, uh, you call these numbers or what. So are we looking forward to just having this signed and, yeah, it's a political thing and then that is it? Or we are expecting serious enforcement. What's your take on that? I think I think... This current government 
uh, Aketi has been very objective in his approach, especially concerning this particular situation. And I know there are some lines you can call that if you have such issues, they give. There's some lines out there in the space for people that violate, uh, people that grace on other people's, there are lines you can approach. Maybe we can look for it later and then if we want to and put it on in the airspace. But there are some lines you can call. I know that. And I know that, especially Amoteko have been part of the people Akechi has been using to try and put uh, sanity in that area of uh, uh, cow herders uh, clash. I've heard of instances where uh, they have been apprehended and then they brought in the farmers and they make them to settle, you know, pay for the losses and then they release the cow with warnings and all that. I've had instances right. like that. And I think uh, my fear is not just Akechi implemented in his own time. Because in Nigeria, we put so much coloration, political coloration, ethnical coloration, religious coloration, to things that we should be objective about. Because nowhere in the world, nowhere in the world at this level of development, it's, it is insane that somebody will just take four or five cows and then run through somebody's farm for no just cause and then destroy and then to the detriment of somebody, you are doing your own business. It's not reasonable. Anywhere you place it in the world. I believe it may be able to maintain it in its tenure. But my issue is, is will there be continuity? Because we need that kind of acceptance. Like I said, in spite of the fact that he's an APC man, he has been able to stand his ground and insist that this is the right thing to do. Mm. I hope he will do that throughout his tenure. But somebody coming. Because you know in Nigeria, laws are there to be implemented, implemented according to the dictates of whoever is in charge. Oh. Somebody can come there tomorrow and ignore it and right. pretend the law is not there. All right. And that's the problem we have oftentimes with good laws and policy in Nigeria. Okay. Consistency in implementation. Okay, so can I work on that something? You see, one thing that I think would help us in dealing with this matter is identifying the owners of this cow. I exactly. have always said it here several times. Let, let me ring a bell for Skywalker. <laughs> Honestly, Thank you very much. Because again, we just talk about cows and talk okay. about headers and who are really the owners Owner of the, of the cows. cows. Because if we can talk to the owners of the cows, maybe convince them that if you keep your cow in a ranching, you know, kind of system, you would still make the profits that you, you, you want to make and your cows would even be a lot healthier. Yeah. Maybe when we engage them. Because the people we are even, you know, seeing on the street, they don't, they don't understand anything ranching. They don't understand the language that we are speaking. They just all they just know is roam around with the cows. That's a bigger chunk of them. But the truth is that these people are not the real owners of the cows. Some of them may have cows, you know, embedded in the because again, usually there's always an arrangement. You know, if the cows are able to produce so 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 number in a year, I give you the so so number. So eventually you also it becomes something like a partnership. Yeah. But the real owners of the cows we are not talking to them because we don't know them. All right. Because we don't also want to identify them. And I have also said it here. You will be shocked. 
you'll be surprised are the people who, are the people who really own these cows they are people who are right there up there and when you talk that they're killing people oh there's farmer headers clashes they would also come and put their mouth and condemn it hmm. and raise a lot of shock Such raise a, a lot of, of condemnation mm. because we don't know them and there's no way to know them if government also does not put in the right effort at really identifying those cows that you know belong to nigerian farmers and those cows that belong to farmers in mali and farmers because again we have also heard stories of people bringing in cows from, from the Niger republic yeah. so why then don't we find a way to you know profile identify you know the ones that are coming from sudan or the ones that are coming from chad we tell them that no more keep your cows where they are supposed to be within the boundaries of your country don't bring your cows into our country Mm. and then those who have cows in the southwestern part of the country let's encourage them to do ranching if others can allow you know cows to roam around their their states and they don't have problem with it fine and good fine and good but for those who feel that we cannot because our our communities our society cannot you know uh, there's no space to do such a thing and we also want to be able to create or produce food for our people yeah so keep your cows where you know there's space to look to look around it is a private business just like farming is a private well, business at, at the moment you see when you say private business then the lot then there's a lot of conversation you know that comes with that because again the federal government is, is, taking is, it as is, their own business. is, is doing something mm. at the moment they are looking at how to partner you know kogi state government uh kogi, kogi state government has uh you know volunteered uh, about 700 hectares of land where they want to do something like uh, uh, an integrated farming kind of system where you can they create space for cows, create space for poultry and all that. So it's, it's a big deal. They are looking at how to even commission the first phase by December this year. And they hope, like the Kogi State Governor has said, that they are willing to you know, accommodate this anyone who has cows and wants to do you know they are willing to accommodate them in that field and that uh you know it would also produce jobs for their people and all that a very, very lofty idea but mm. but who is going to foot the bill all right who is going to provide the water who is going to foot the bill that's that's the very big question and then okay if i am I, I want i have cows and i want to bring my cows to the to the 700 hectares that you have provided is it that I'm going to pay, or is it for free? So there's still a lot, you know. There's still a lot to so be to be. The, the summary of your submission, as I'm trying to get it, is uh, is like in Nigeria, um, cattle rearing is not a private business. No, it's not. All right, uh, uh, that has been established. Uh, we're learning. Uh, let's move to other issues, and this is a very very interesting one for me because uh, I believe that the uh, chicken is coming home to roost, particularly on this matter. Now, the Joint Admissions Matriculation Board has uh, decided that um, they kind of want to hands off uh, determining, I mean, determining the uh, cut of MAC, and they want to domicile that decision at the level of the universities. Uh, coming, and which some of us have actually asked the question what exactly is the relevance of JAMP in all of this? Now, I am not going to take that alone because the federal government 
uh, did make a statement through the vice president, for instance, that education is not the responsibility of the federal government. In fact, if anyone read that statement, I got to realize for the first time in a long time that we actually practice federalism in Nigeria, mm. especially when it comes to education. Mm. Now, uh, so, and, and the reason I'm, I'm linking these two together is not far-fetched. Uh, JAMB is coming up with this. And don't forget that after JAMB, universities determine who comes in. You know, with the UTME, you understand. So, uh, is what 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 is the development? Is it that Jam is handing off and leaving the space and saying, "Let's go to how others do it and leave schools to determine who wants to come in to study and all that." And then uh, visit this issue of we practicing federalism when it comes to education. Let me start with Sake. Well, I think Jam has never been in. The business of determining determining cutoff mark for universities. What they do is they just create like a pass mark benchmark for admission. So maybe when the base the overall scores on three hundred, maybe they say two hundred pass. Then every institution and then every department or faculty determines their cutoff mark. I don't think there's ever been a, a year that Jamba said that you must admit people. Based on so, 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 so. I think they just create like a bench pass mark for people from where university decide who and what to pick. That is that. Concerning federalism and uh, education, I, I know for a fact that the primary institution is wholly owned, only owned by the federal government. Only owned by the federal government. Secondary Yes, it's given to the bulk of the, it's given to the state government. Though, don't forget that we have federal colleges, federal government colleges and unity colleges owned and then gifted schools by. Well, for, for, for me, if we want development, if we want to move from where we are, no government will leave a citizen not having the minimum of education, which is like maybe GSS3 on own all level. Now, for any government to want to say that uh, education is not their is not their responsibility, then I ask this question: If you put out laws, if you put out policies, if you put out like you are talking about vaccines. If you are talking in, for, for example, in Nigeria now, our 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 official language, not even our native language, is English. Which which means do you want to communicate? Who do you want to communicate to? If your responsibility is not to make the average citizen at least to know how to read and write, it couldn't be on anybody. Yes, from maybe the basic. It may be the responsibility of the individuals or other other groups, but the basic minimal educational is the responsibility of every responsible government. And it's unfortunate that most of these people that say these things, I used to say this, most of them are beneficiaries of free education. Most of our leaders today went on scholarship, either in the military, either in the police, either as... Uh, Politicians, 75% of them went on scholarship on, 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 on the sponsors of Nigeria. 
most of our leaders that we have from the 60s till now, most of them are beneficiaries of government-funded education. Now you got there now, you've broken the bridge. You made education unavailable to the average man. And then you say it's not your responsibility. Whose respons should it be the responsibility of the Ghanaian government or Liberian government? I think it is trying to shift responsibility. Believe you me, I, I don't think government in the last few years, not just this government, have made it easy for the average Nigerian to go to school. All right. Because when you look at this, apart from the, we, we talk so much about the university. Universities are far better off than the secondary schools and the primary schools. You just need to take a walk to the average government-owned schools. They don't look like this school we went to. All right. Like, co coming to Skywalker, now, um, I'm going to lump you up with a lot of issues, and I hope you're ready for them. Um, from statistics, this government has actually paid the least amount of the budgetary allocation to education compared to previous um, governments. And then uh, we had a period where the president came out to say something about the fact that he's really, really interested in pushing education. And then we had some people coming to say how much they have spent on tertiary education and all that. And then we are having this particular statement from the presidency. That's the vice president. So could this be the reason why so much has not been put into the budget allocation in education for the country? And, you know, he said that each state should be responsible, you know, for adding all of that concerns to their budget. Well, I think the vice president is not saying something that is actually uh, out of you know, out of place. Because again, if you look at it, based on what the Constitution has provided, uh, the state governments are supposed to take care of the primary and secondary. Even the primary. The primary is in the hands of the, gov of the state government. Primary and secondary schools, you know, the state governments are supposed to handle that. In fact, ideally, the local governments are supposed to be in charge of the primary. Where we have local government. But because the local governments have been you know, rendered important. That's why you're seeing that the state governments, you know, tend to oversee both the primary and the secondary school uh, education. So if the federal government is now trying to wash its, its hands clean of, you know, what is happening at the primary and the secondary level, uh, you can't blame them because the, the, the law provides that, you know, what they can also do is to support. And you have seen the federal government by the provision of the universal basic education, you know, uh, support state governments in at least helping with the primary uh, education. Yeah, education. But yeah. even with all that, it is still not meeting up to expectation because mm -hmm. our, I think basically our uh, idea about providing or our priorities towards providing education to our people is misplaced. We would prefer to spend money where we can reap. You get me? Where we put in the money, the money finds a way to come back to our pockets. Like the school feeding. <clears throat> you understand me? Mm. We would prefer to sink money into ventures that would not actually lift our people. Because I have always believed so strongly that education is key towards emancipation. In fact, towards poverty reduction. 
it is key. It is vital. Some of the things you see our people do, it's because their level of education, and of course the education they acquire would lead to exposure, their level of education and exposure is very, 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 I don't know how to, to call it, not to sound uh, insultive. <laughs> because when you see how our people sometimes behave, you want to question, does this one understand what he or she is doing? Mm. When politicians would gather you together and give you two bars of yams, as, as uh, what do they call it? As uh, uh, no empowerment program empowerment or something, program. And or they give you, and they give you cutlass, or they give you wheelbarrows, or they give you wheelbarrows, or, or some they give marine you rope, uh, marine rope yeah. to tie your goods. The other day there was a, a a government that also gathered, you know, some women gathered, some young people, you know, filled them up in the hall, and they were all dancing and they were all rejoicing and all, and then at the end of it all, what is he giving them? Passing packs of uh, so you you water. you don't see that at the end of it you just want to believe this conspiracy theory even though I feel it's not a conspiracy because again if you look at it governments upon governments politicians upon politicians all they do is to pay lip service to the education mm. sector in our country and I've always said it as long as our people are left in this level of mm. uneducation as long as they are left like this and they are also kept in a position where they would always come out to collect that 5,000 naira on election day. There is no hope whatsoever anywhere. And oh. that's just the basic truth. Because again, at the state level, you would have hoped that even if the federal is still struggling to provide for the tertiary level you know, of education, what about at the state level? You are talking about a budgetary provision at the federal level. Let's, let's go to the state and see what is happening. You'll be shocked. That is the same thing. It's just business as usual. Government in, government out. Let's just, let's just do our four years and go. If we are lucky to get eight years, we get eight years, we do our own, and then we go. Nobody really wants to put in the work to get this thing at a level where you know, our people would begin to see the light of day. Okay, now, um, because I, I actually had a lot of issues that I really wanted us to... Uh, look at but i'm looking at time and i may not be able to handle all of that the cholera situation for once uh would be shocking uh, seeing the numbers that are being bandied by the ncdc uh the fact that uh, we have recorded over 2000 deaths in 2021 alone because i read that report to be sure whether it is for two years or three years and uh cholera is still ravaging uh, but we're not giving it the required response. Well, let's just do that as a mention. Uh, well, let's go to this, that um, we have the president uh, loading his activities in pulling Nigeria out of economic recession. Oh, how do I put it now? The English is um, very, very confusing. But the summary of it is that in six years, we've never had it this good with the economic com policy thrust of this government. Um, I mean, 5% recorded, and that's a wow compared to uh, previous years. Uh, Saki? I'm just going to give you one analogy that if you are worth $1 million while this government started at the ratio of, let's say, 300 naira to a dollar, and now we have 520-something, you can put on your calculator, you are worth less than $600,000 presently, without any making of you. That's how much progress we have made economically. Okay. I don't care the statistics they put up there. 
The reality is this. Naira has been greatly devalued. If it's not inflation, it's hyperinflation. The bread we buy for three fifty before is now six fifty seven hundred naira. Yeah, but that's that's and wait, that's progress. Sal- and salary is now thirty three to sixty percent. Unemployment, we can't put exact figures. Underemployment, I can be sure it's fifty percent. So it doesn't matter the color we paste on the flag. The reality for the common man is not same. And as far as the reality with the common man is not same, they can say anything from their own aspect of the nation. Yes. But the reality, because we always measure every... Are people paying the same school fees they are paying five, six years ago? No. Are people, how much is affordability of... Nowadays, I'm shocked. You see three-bedroom flat in Akure, 650, 700. And I'm like, when did this happen? When? What is the average salary of a graduate in Ondo State? And people put on three-bedroom for 650,000, 700,000. Who will afford that? Politicians. Who? <laughs> and then you tell me the economy is better. No, that's Skywalker. Don't do that. That's when you can't pay a graduate thirty thousand. All right. Oh, ne- ne- let me come to Skywalker. Politicians and all these boys who are into you know <laughs> Yahoo and all these—they are the ones who afford this kind of houses. And okay, that, so, and now, let me tell you, yes. there are houses in Akure today. They are not built because of you and I, Saki. Okay, okay, okay. They are built to target these boys okay. and also some politicians okay. who can afford it. So that means the president will be right in improving the economy because we have a lot more of these boys now and making this much money. And as for him, that could be record-breaking. Yeah. Okay, let me explain what is happening here. GDP uh, tells you how big your business is. Mm-hmm. Tells you how you have expanded Capital. your business. Mm-hmm. You understand me? It's like, let me, let me just tell you. Okay, let's assume. I, I want to bring it to the very barest, no, please, you know. Go uh, ahead. Uh, and, and in record minimum time. Minimum where we can, of course, understand what we're saying. Yeah. If I used to have a poultry farm where I, I have, you know, 500 birds and I'm able to, like, expand that 500 to maybe uh, 1,000, my business has expanded. Yeah. Is that not so? Yeah, it is so. But you see, the case in Nigeria is that I have expanded to a thousand, but I am feeding them once in a day. They are not growing at the rate they are supposed to grow. You understand me? The eggs that they are supposed to produce, they are not producing the eggs that they are supposed to produce. Yet, my farm has grown. But the quality of what I am, what that farm is producing, is nothing to write home about. But it's a form of progress. But of course, my farm has, has increased by numbers. Wow. It has, it has expanded. Mm. My GDP has grown. But yet, in the midst of this I growth in GDP, to increase it doesn't really matter. Okay. It doesn't really matter. Okay. Because, yes, I, I may have even borrowed Money to add <laughs> 500 to the initial 500. I may not have paid back. You get me? I may not have paid back. But the quality of my produce is nothing to write home about. All right. And that's what we're having here. The, the economy has quality expanded. Is... But you look at the lives of the people. Quality of life is... Look at how the Naira nose dives every day, you know, in the market. Look at the value of the Naira just uh, be flying away beyond the reach of the average Nigerian. So, so you then see that at the end of it all, 
whichever statistics you want to put out there, the basic question that you mm-hmm. ask a Nigerian, has your life been better mm-hmm. four years ago? Hmm. Has your life been better you know, I, now, I think you can head to we, four years ago. We, we can off your mic now. Once you are able to answer that question, we can. That tells you how good the economy is, and that tells you how good the managers have have performed. Well, let's off the mic. Thank you very much, Skywalker. Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, that analogy actually got me stumped at the point in time. I was like, okay. Thank God I am on this side. All right, this is still the first day of September. This is Esigon, your radio boy. I'm here and hoping that you had fun and you learned a lot. And uh, <laughs> don't forget that ultimately 2023 is coming and uh, we have a decision to make, uh, but we have to start deciding now on how we want things to turn out. On this note, I'm going to leave you with some drum rolls and news on the globe will come up very shortly. <laughs>